Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast. A fantastic uh, win over the weekend to talk about, so without any further ado, let's just get right into it, shall we? Very nice to have everyone along tonight and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast. A big win obviously uh, by the Crows last night or yesterday. Uh, great fight back and we're here to talk about it. Welcome to everyone who's in Discord and who's joining us on YouTube and also on Twitch. Um, don't forget, if you want to have your say, if you want to have a, uh, a rant or if you want to uh, just get around the win uh you're welcome on the discord live audience so get around there we have half a dozen people in there already and joining me tonight as per usual is macca how you going mac oh very good mate sorry i'm a little bit late but i just no. had to knock off some garlic prawns and some ice cream and i'm here mate i wouldn't want to disturb that mate that sounds delicious uh, obviously uh no nicky tonight so it'll be a 13 minute podcast um but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, we got a bit to talk about. You're a mate, cool so. man, Pete. You're a cool <laughs> man. As I said, welcome to everyone who's joined us on Discord. Um, and uh, for those who are listening on demand later in the week, uh, if you want to get around our Discord channel, uh, there's plenty of instructions on our YouTube channel. Just go to the, just search Crowcast on YouTube. There's a nice little video there on how to hook into Discord with us. Uh, apart from chat during the, the shows, of course, there's game day chat. And uh, there's basically chat every day of the week, all about the Adelaide Crows. Now, Macca, before we get into your 15 minutes of fame, mate, what'd you think? <laughs> uh, well, you know, our first quarter was probably one of the worst quarters we've had for many a long day. Um, I, I've, I've become pretty good at seeing and watching games and not swearing and not carrying <laughs> on. But I it's must hard admit, to know, I did lose. Yeah, I lost it the first quarter. I really did. Oh, Started off terrible. with that, that that kick from Smith where he's taking a mark and goes for a stab pass right onto their chest, and I'm not. And then and then we, we just carried on from there for the rest of that quarter. And I, I don't believe we played a worse quarter than than that probably this year. I don't think so. Oh, not not since the uh, the dark days of early 2020. I reckon that was terrible. Um, yeah, but you know, showed a fantastic amount of fight and courage and. Uh, application to be able to turn that around not only by the uh, playing group but also the coaching staff so excellent stuff all right um now jnm in youtube is asking is nikki sick no she's got a couple of prior engagements uh this week and also next week not sure what we're going to do <clears throat> next week with the wrap we'll probably have some sort of a half yearly review or something or other i'm open to suggestions on that one um crowcast faithful so uh, hit me up on chat or on twitter or wherever the hell you interact with us and uh, give us some ideas about next week but we'll definitely have a show maca uh why don't we just crack straight into your 15 minutes of fame shall we 
let's do it. <laughs> uh, Macca's beloved weekend results wrap up. Don't blame me, you asked for it. And game, <laughs> game one, Mac, uh, was a very nice little start to the weekend. <laughs> Uh, Geelong getting yep. up 17-10-112 to Port Adelaide 14-7-91 a margin in the end of 21 points after Port looked like winners uh, uh, towards the end of the match yeah, it was a, look it was a reasonably well fought game and but the thing that I th- really noticed about the game it had massive momentum swings it wasn't mm. like goal for goal for, it was like three or four goals for three or four goals yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and it was usually like some one ridiculous error would actually swing the whole momentum around. Um, what I, where I think Geelong got poured in the end was basically uh, the little trick with their forward line. They, when Porter are in attack, they tend to bring their forward line right up bar one. They keep one in d- down deep. Yep. And uh, also, it, when, so when they do get the ball out of there, they can kick it into space. They, uh, their forward swoop on it, or if they get it down far enough, they've got the one one on one down there, and uh, it's a pretty good forward line down there when you think you got Cameron getting five and Hawkins four and Rowan uh, getting three. Very so, powerful. Uh, very powerful, and I think that's basically the difference. From what I saw, Geelong might be able to win a flag. I don't think Port can. Yeah, no. Uh, Port should have had that game. Um, they had every opportunity to win it, and they should have had it. Um, Lols on the uh, Discord chat makes a very good point, Macca. The issue was that Geelong are a top eight side, and of, Port, of course, Port Adelaide don't beat top eight sides. So uh, we should have all had money on the game. Very true. Uh, yes, I should have. I was a bit annoyed afterwards because I really did think Geelong would win. Yeah, now we have a couple of blokes who are actually at the game, uh, the Crows game in Cairns last night or yesterday. So uh, J-Mac and uh, uh, the other guy that I've missed his name, started with an A. If you want to uh, give us a on-the-spot report, uh, feel free to uh, hop in the chat at any stage. Put your hand up and uh, we're happy to have you on. Of course, we're happy to have anyone on, Macca. Um, but uh, particularly uh, if anyone was there that wants to share the atmosphere, uh, feel free to get on board. Now, the next game, Mac, bit of an upset. Hawthorne yeah. by 38 points in the end, 14-5-89 to the Sydney 7-9-51. Uh, Sydney did not look like it. Absolutely didn't look like it. And, you know, as I said to Mrs Mac, they look like they're playing on Valium, that mob, because they, they really weren't in it at all. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing what happens when it when uh, a lesser let's say a lesser standard team when the players all buy into it. It's amazing how they can actually play, and uh, I you know they played like it all game, and Sydney never looked like they were a chance. They just no. looked like they were the lesser team. Um, you got must mention the uh, mid-season draftee Joe Newcomb with his thirteen uh, disposals and fourteen Wasn't tackles. Wasn't he good? Interesting. Oh, the interesting thing was the very first two bounces he attended, he stood back and allowed other players to go as if, well, I'm the new boy, I better not go out. Yeah, yeah. And I said to Mrs. Mack, what's this guy up to? He won't make it if he does this. But, well, he put me on my backside. After that, he just went for everything. And, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, mind but, betting that a runner went out and said, mate, don't worry about waiting for everyone else. You just go and get the agate because that's what you're here for. And he did very, very well. He did, didn't he? Uh 
And uh, the other one that player part player that played uh, oh, Hawthorne Mitchell played very well yep. uh, as he always usually does. And the interesting one was Stegler, who wasn't even in the chosen side originally and only got in there because Reeves, yeah. who had been playing well and dropped out, he dominated the ruck, absolutely yep. dominated. And uh, they made uh, Sydney look very ordinary. And it's very clear Sydney can't win a flag. They'll be probably be in the top eight, but that's about it. Well, up forward they seem to be very reliant on. Um Buddy and uh, Heaney, and uh, I didn't feel like they had any potency up forward whatsoever, and their system going forward was pretty average. So, anyway, they're probably looking for the buy, I'd imagine, um, as a couple of teams are, probably including us as well. Um, yep. We had the Dockers getting up over the Suns by 27 points, 11 10 76 to 6 13 49. Yeah, look, this is one of these games that, you know, if you were blind, you'd say you'd be an advantage watching the game because it was a pretty ordinary <laughs> game to watch, mate. It really was. Uh, and Freo had key players out as well. I'm talking about good players out. Yeah. And stupidly, I thought Gold Coast would be a chance here. And as I said, stupidly. Uh, the longer the game went, you know, the, the greater the winning margin for Freo. Uh, Pete Miller was outstanding for the Gold Coast. He must wonder why he busts his gut every week. And yeah. the other comment I'd like to make about that is Lacocious and Rankin, the longer they play up there, the more ordinary they look. And, um, you know, they've got to get themselves out of there if they want to be the players that they should be. That club is no good for young players. Well, Mac, you know, it's interesting, and I don't want to dwell on it, but we do have a little bit of time because uh, there's not the full complement of games this week. But... Why Why is it? The Suns, on paper, have a talented list um, and they have had money thrown at them. They've got a decent coach, or he appears to be a decent coach, Chewy G. Um, they've got a decent coaching panel. Why is it that they are perennial losers? Well, yeah, because it, somehow their players don't, just don't develop. They just don't develop. The only players that ever played play well for what. Tuke Miller, I mean, he does play well every week. And um, they've had so many young players that have gone all right up there, but not to their full potential. And they yeah. go to another club down uh, in Victoria or, or wherever. Yeah. And then they all of a sudden they become very good players. And so there's something obviously wrong with their development, the, the, the whole system for develop, developing young players. And uh, uh, and also, I, I just don't wonder whether the players really feel they are in genuine, genuinely in a real football club. Well, you know, um, I think you hit on the, the nail on the head with regards to development because they run around that stupid kneeful or whatever it is that it is now, and you know, the, it's not a it's not a, a, a scratch on the SNFL or the waffle or the VFL, and so they there's a massive step up from their second tier competition to the AFL. And I think you're dead set right that there's there's players there that are fringe that are just not going to break through because they haven't got the comp- they haven't got a, an appropriate competition underneath. And what happens then is you don't get pressure from underneath into the into the first team. You know you you can see what happens when a team has depth and there's pressure for spots. You know it just gets an extra ten percent out of blokes. But when there's not really pressure for spots because the people underneath aren't really performing. Then it all gets a little bit, uh, all gets a little bit pedestrian in the first team, and I think what you've touched on there is a big issue um, with regards to how the Gold Coast, and I think once GWS plays out this current list, 
I think you'll see a similar situation happening with them because it's the same competition. Well, sadly, I think you're right again because we can probably use that as the segue into the next one, which is North Melbourne versus the Giants. And the Giants came out with... uh, well, North Melbourne came out with massive enthusiasm and, as again, total team buy-in. Uh, and, you know, this did not look like a bottom team. Uh, they played very, very well. Uh, probably blew a couple of chances that they they should have got. Um, uh, you know, to me, they are the ones that should have won the game. And uh, uh, I could see the, you know, the GWS coach, just Cameron, just uh, tearing what little hair he's got left out mm. um, because he had just... Their players, they really just weren't really switched on. And it comes back to the thing that you are talking about before. They relied so heavy on just a few, yeah. um, a few top players, and the rest of them, uh, they, there isn't enough pressure below them. Uh, <clears throat> and really, in the end, I mean, they, 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 were, they were lucky to get away with the draw. I mean, they yeah. actually did get an opportunity to get a win because uh, the guy that kicked the two goals that got them level... And had a snapshot and kicked out of bounds, but yeah. I think that was justice, and I think a draw at worst was was the right result. Yeah, but uh, for those that missed again, it, fourteen ten ninety four each uh, North and the Giants. Um, there's a comment is... in the chat. Too, sorry, there's a comment in the chat too where uh, default says North lacked belief in that winning, and and I think at the end that probably did tell in the last few minutes. Mm, maybe. Um, but not a bad effort from North Melbourne. Uh, and it just goes to show that even when some teams look pedestrian, I, I think the way AFL football is played these days, it's quite easy to look to be made to look pedestrian when your structures don't quite hold up or you get a couple of blokes that aren't on, on point. Um, but there's really not a big gap between top and bottom. Um, you know, uh, North Melbourne are clearly the worst team in the competition, um, but to be able to take it up to the Giants list, just the same as we've, we've been able to take it up to a couple of top eight sides this year, um, shows that um, if you keep your structures right and you keep your composure under pressure, you're always going to be in the hunt. Yeah, and I think you're right. There isn't that uh, massive difference. Uh, that some of the bottom sides are not as bad as some of the bottom sides of the past. I mean, we think of some of the Carlton ones of the past that could... You know, for oh, we're Fitzroy perennial. Yeah, Fitzroy and yeah. all those sorts, you know. Yeah, so I think the gap's quite that wide and it is capable for uh, a bottom side to actually topple a, a better side. We've, we've shown that. Um, yep. So it's really a, how much of a how much of a buy-in you've got from the players. Are they all on the same page? Are they really with it that day? And, and yeah. are they giving 100%? And yeah. You know, on our game, you know, I said we had that lacklustre first quarter. We increased a little bit of intensity in the second. But in the third and fourth, like if you drew a graph going upwards, it just went off the chart in the last mm. quarter. We were fanatical in the last yeah. quarter. Well, I, want to talk to, I want to talk to you about a couple of things that uh, Sloney and Nick said after the game about that. But anyway, let's quickly look at the ladder. And, of course, it's a bit up and down because there's various... Uh, amount of games played but let's just take it as red we've got Melbourne on top on 44 points the Bulldogs on 40 Geelong on 36 and then we've got uh, three teams on 32 Brisbane Port and Sydney Um, West Coast and Richmond on 28 points in the eight and then we've got Frio on 24 uh, having played 13 games 
GWS on 22, Essendon on 20 along with Adelaide and St Kilda, Carlton on 16 with Gold Coast, pardon me, with Gold Coast, Collingwood and Hawthorne on 12, and North Melbourne on 6 points. We're still only two games out of pick two, Mac. Pardon me. Yes. Yes, we're going the wrong direction though, mate. Well, you know, it's nice to have a couple... I didn't mind winning that game for a variety of reasons, mostly centred around uh, uh, the disaster with Bradley Crouch over the off-season, so I didn't mind getting over St Kilda, but uh, I don't mind if we drop a few now. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, you know, I, I watched the game with mixed feelings. You think, well, if we, if we get beaten by a close uh, margin, that's okay, but... I must admit, once we got in the last quarter, and once we were competitive, well, uh, naturally, wanting to win just took over. And, yeah. you know, for, the way for it to finish as it did was just outstanding. We'll touch on that later, but that was just outstanding. It was indeed. Uh, don't forget, if you're in the chat, uh, we're just about to talk about the Crows match, so uh, make sure you get around that. And uh, if you've got something to say, get in the live audience, put your hand up, and we'll have you on. All right, Macker, it was the Crows 9-12-66 getting up at the last gasp by six points over St Kilda 8-12-60 on the back of a, an acrobatic uh, last-minute goal from Big Riley Thilthorpe, um, kicking it over his head on his non-preferred. Um, a, great, a great moment for the young lad and a great moment for the young team. And you could see after the game uh, the way they got around Nixie on the ground before they worked o- walked off... Uh, they're all loving it. Yeah. And you know, I, I mentioned last uh, podcast that I'd read that somebody had said that uh, Phil Thorpe is the greatest talent to walk into the Adelaide Football Club uh, since the days of uh, Andrew McLeod. And, look, I'm going to steal that line. That's my line now. I reckon I will say it too. He is dead set the greatest talent's coming to this club since Andrew McLeod. He is going to be something very, very special. Indeed. Um, it's certainly tracking that way. I, in the first half, I was getting a little bit impatient with him because I wanted to to see him take a couple of grabs. I know it was terrible conditions for that, uh, but he did take a couple after half time. And uh, his work on the ground is uh, it belies his size and uh, his billing as a as a ruck tall forward. Uh, he's almost like a small forward at times, and the sky's the limit for that young lad. Um, look. I, um, as an initial thought, I, I felt like we've had this situation over the last... Since the Melbourne win where we've just looked a little bit off the boil, um, maybe we're a little bit mentally gassed. Uh, there's certainly a couple of comments after the game saying that they were looking for the break and uh, we've noticed over the last couple of weeks some of the younger lads, Lockie Scholl in particular, has looked a little bit gassed. Um, but gee whiz, isn't it nice to follow a young side... That doesn't give up, Macca. Oh, it is. It really, no, it really does warm the cockles of your heart because whether you win or lose, if they are, if they're just giving a hundred percent, you just feel that you really want to be part of it yourself because they're they're giving everything they've got. And I, ha- I don't think I've seen an Adelaide football team as fanatical as they were in the last quarter. I mean, they were. I can think of young Berry and uh, other young players like him throwing their body into dangerous situations just to get the ball or to stop the ball or to smother it or whatever. Uh, that is the most fanatical I've seen in Adelaide Football Club for, uh, play for many, many a long day in that last quarter. Yeah. 
And, and the good thing is, Mac, you know, uh, and we'll get to individuals, I guess, in a moment, but uh, it wasn't like, you know, Sloney had been quiet for most of the game. He had a massive last quarter. Rory Laird had a massive last quarter and, an, and a massive match. But it was the young lads, uh, the young lads. Uh, Harry Schomburg had a fantastic last quarter. Some of Didn't his, he guess? Some of his, there, like a lot of people are talking about the little knock on to um, to Lady to get that last forward thrust going that ended up with Riley, but there was one about five minutes beforehand where he was running uh, through congestion, and he just gave a deft little left-handed handball that looked like it was to no one, but it was perfectly in the path of the of the teammate running past, and I forget who it was. And I just thought, gee whiz, that is skill because he was running full pelt, he was in in traffic, and it was a it wasn't a bullet or anything, it was just a deft little handball right into the path and he continues to impress me, Harry Schoenberg. Uh I know I rabbit on a little bit, a uh, bit of fanboying going on, but my word, if he if he continues to track the way he's uh progressed this year, uh, he's gonna be a linchpin in our uh, in our midfield rotations for the next ten years. Yeah, and what I do like about him, Fiend, is that um, many a young player, and so a lot of many a senior player, really under pressure start to panic. He doesn't. He just Never. doesn't panic. He's got a he's got a really cool head, and that's yep. what I like about him. Yeah, I mean, that, a few... uh, yeah. sorry, sorry, go on. No, you don't make the biggest thing in the world, but that tap, the centre bounce, just showed mm. that. Uh, mm. We here we are, you know, we got a, we've got this desperate uh, game going on, trying to get up there. And then he's got he can just jump up and think and do that and yep. uh, and then many other and the, the handball you mentioned many other things the guy did he, in that last quarter uh, he just showed how he is going to be a very very good player for us for a very long time and look Sandberry as well I think really benefited uh, not that he uh, would have liked to have been injured but I think he benefited from having uh, that little spell uh, because he was another one I felt in conditions that were causing so many problems for so many players his ability to one take the ball at ground level uh, at pace uh, was was pretty special for a young kid and uh, I think when you're talking about future inside midfielders uh, we've got we've got a real bulldog there in Sam Berry but not only that um, he's clean and he distributes well so I, I thought uh, I thought the fact that our young lads, McHenry was another one, Riley obviously was another one. The fact that our young lads were were um, were integral to that last quarter, as well as big efforts from you know Sloney and Laird in particular, um, just was really good signs for the future. It wasn't left up to the to the old stages. Uh, the young lads really picked it up as well and got us over the line. Yep, even Road had a stinker of the first half, had a very good second half, uh, Fiend. Agreed. You... Chase so, Jones um, was another one who... Chase Jones was another half. one who uh, I felt had a better second second half as well. Well, Jones actually uh, got a reasonable amount of the ball this time. Um, he, he, he does lack some awareness. I mean, a very good example of that was when he oh, beat yeah. a player for the ball and then... Instead of running away from it, he sort of stopped. Yeah, no, it just stopped. It was a bit weird. And yeah, that was I weird. Guess, because I a... guess what I'm saying is that all the young lads stepped up. None of Geordie Butts had a great game, like, and we're going to, we're going off format here. But my point, I guess, is that all the young players were involved in that second half fight back, and that's really good to see, in my opinion. It was, and 
and no less uh, young Phil Thorpe who himself, of course, is only an eight-game player. Exactly, exactly. Uh, lots to like, Mako, lots to like. Um, let's just have a look at selection as we tend to do before we uh, get too carried away there. Um, uh, look, selection to me was fairly um, predictable, but it was very nice to see Josh Worrell get a start. And, uh, boy, what a start for the young lad uh, managing to uh, be a part of that win. Um, I didn't think he set the house on fire. I, I felt like he went he went to ground a little bit too often and uh, looked a little bit, uh, say, overawed, which is normally why blokes go to ground when they're just feeling a little bit rattled and overawed. But uh, nice to have him in the mix. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be very honest, I thought he was overawed by the situation and... Uh... Uh, he did find find the uh, uh, lifting standard very very hard for him, and I think he only got about three possessions for the day. But I did think that in the last quarter he just got a little bit closer to the ball, a little bit closer to the players, and uh, probably starting to get the feel of what it's all about because it it was a tough game to come into and to have your first oh, game, and yeah. also tough conditions to play in as well. Yeah. So. Uh, I would keep him in for one more and, and just see how he goes next time because he's now experienced what that pressure is like and what it's what he has to do. Uh, and uh, as I said, he didn't have a good one this time and, and really most players playing their first game don't. So um, I would say just give him another game or two and I think he'll come good. Yeah, I hope they do. Um, I haven't been terribly happy with how they've um, treated Ronan O'Connor um, in that space, but uh, hopefully they do keep Josh in for another game after the break. Um, so we had him and Sam Berry in. The only uh, ongoing query for mine is uh, Shane McAdam. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, I wondered whether Shane actually might give way instead of, uh, say, Nick Murray or, or even Ronan O'Connor, given the conditions. Um, and uh, Without going into specifics, I thought that uh, Shane had another average game. Um, must be worrying that must be worrying them at selection. It, it has to be. He's not producing. Um, the one and, thing I will say about mm. uh, many a game recently, I think I would accuse him of not really trying very hard. I thought he, at least he tried a lot harder. Um, mm. Again, uh, not necessarily setting the world on fire, but I. I thought there were times at least he did uh, show some effort. But, yeah, look, his position would be a little bit in danger. Yeah. Uh, Kempi in the chat says Cook can take his spot. Well, I saw a young lad make his play his first game in the SNFL today, uh, Lockie Gallant, and uh, I thought Lockie Gallant was a ready-made third tool, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I actually thought he, he played... Good. I mean, Cook did play well today, but uh, Lockie Gallant, for his first game... Um, looked pretty damn good to me. Uh, he did show something, didn't he, Fiend? He really did. Yeah, I liked him. I liked him a lot. And it was a good win by the SNFL Crows today too with, uh, against um, uh, against uh, Sturt, who have been informed. So so nothing much really to say about selection. Of course, people will have an ongoing debate about David McKay. And um, David McKay showed that, like him or not like him he will always put his body on the line and um as a consequence he's going to the tribunal i'm going to say to you right now macca that it'll be an absolute travesty if he gets rubbed out for that absolute travesty 
has that actually been uh, decided? It's gone straight straight to the tribunal. It's been it's been ungraded. Okay, so so the MRP didn't make a call on what they thought it was. Straight to the tribunal. Um, I reckon that's ridiculous. That was that was two blokes going for the for a contested ball. Um, McKay went for the ball. He didn't run past the ball to take the player out or anything like that. It was a collision that you see often in football. And if he gets games for that, uh, our game is permanently changed. Well, it's stuffed because if you actually watch the vision at the point of collision, both players have got hands on the ball. McKay actually was going for the ball. He had his hands on the ball as well. Yep. So you, you cannot penalise a guy for going for the ball. No, and, you just um, that, that That was a sheer football accident. David McKay, and if you watch his eyes, his eyes never varied off the ball. No. He didn't even know where that player was there. No. He just went straight at the ball. And, well, and, he, uh, knew, he knew he had to go in hard because it was a contested situation. Um, and he did exactly what you teach young fellas to do. He turned his body, got low, and as you say, got his hands on the agate. Um, he got there a split second before, um, what was his name, Hunter or whoever it was, I can't remember his name, um, and uh, it was just dead set bad luck, Hunter Clark, not, uh, dead set bad yeah. luck, and um, if he gets games, I'll be ropeable, and if he does get games, I hope the Adelaide Football Club appeal on principle. Oh, that, they have to, they have to. Um, look, every uh, TV, radio uh, people and these are footballers who have played the game and understand yep. what's going on out there. Not some dickhead who makes some decisions and always gets seems to get them wrong. Um, but every one of them, without exception, has said that that you know there is nothing there. He should not be suspended. Yep. So we'll see. Um, Tex Walker gets a five thousand dollar fine for spoiling a guy in the head. Um, three grand with an early plea. He'll probably take that. Uh, save himself a couple of thousand. Um, Oh, I guess it's fair enough. Well, yeah. He, look, he has been a bit loose around people's head a bit uh, this year. He's lost a bit of change. <laughs> yeah, he's probably probably going all right, Mac. Um, but uh, you see a lot of those get let go, you know. Well, it depends. Though. You know, Adelaide Crows, nothing gets let go, mate. No, that's very true. That's very true. Anyway, just a reminder, of course, everyone that's in chat there, if you want to have something to say, get in the live audience, stick your hand up. Now's the time to have your say, particularly if you happen to be at the game in Cairns. J-Mac, it would be great to hear from you. Oh, there he is too, J-Mac. Here we go. I don't think we've had J-Mac on before. There you go, mate. You're invited in. Make sure your microphone's on. How you going, mate? No, muted. There you go. You're good now. You're with us, mate. We're waiting for all the goodies now. Uh, Can you hear me? Can do. How are you going? No. We can hear hear you, mate. He obviously can't hear hear us. No, no. It's a long way to Queensland. Takes a while for the sound to travel. I can't seem to hear. Can you hear us? Can you hear us now, mate?
I don't know what's going on no. there, mate. Right. Uh, I'll flick you back to the audience, J-Mac, and uh, if you get that audio sorted out, we'll have you back on. Um, so, uh, yeah, we could hear you, mate, uh, but obviously uh, you couldn't hear us, so uh, hopefully you can get that sorted and come back on and say good day. Um, all right, Mac. So um, let's have a look at some head-to-heads, shall we? Um, going on here. Okay. So disposal-wise, uh, 381 to 357 disposals, 236 kicks to 223. In St Kilda's favour, also handballs 145 to 135, uh, 134 in St Kilda's favour. Inside 50s evened up. It was pretty lopsided there for a while, but it ended up being 57-54 uh, just in the Saints' favour. Um, disposal efficiency uh, also evened up to around about 63%, which under the circumstances was probably pretty reasonable. Um, efficiency inside 50 at one stage I think in the first quarter we were at 17% Macca efficiency inside 50 we ended up at 48.1 and St Kilda at 35 surprised it was as high as 17 we were terrible oh shocking Um, free kicks were even but I thought actually the umpiring was fucking shocking to be honest with you I really did well Yes, uh, it was, but um, I thought it was pretty shocking to both sides, though. So um, I really didn't take much out of the umpires, really, for once. No, I thought uh, it was at Stevic, I think, was one of them, and he just gave it to us all night. Gave it to us all night. The other two were probably as bad the other going the other way, but Stevic gave away some shockers. Uh, hitouts, um, Rob got towed up a little bit, 35, hitouts to 45. Uh, clearances though, thirty to forty-six in our favour, including eleven to eight centre clearances and thirty-five to twenty-two stoppage clearances. Um, possession we had uh, one sixty-four to one sixty-one contested possessions, uh, one sixty-eight to two hundred uncontested possessions. That disparity was even more substantial at half time. I can't remember the numbers, but it was almost two to one in St Kilda's favour uh, at half time. Turnovers, both sides burnt the ball as you'd expect, but um, we had a couple of players that burnt the ball terribly, and we'll t- touch on those soon. Uh, 104 turnovers to 91. See, season average there is around about 70. Um, that's yeah, that's really bad, really bad. Yeah, I mean it was a it was a shocking night in terms of conditions. Um, you know, it was slippery, and then it started to rain, and uh, and it, that's another thing too. Don't forget that we came back in the rain up there. It just adds another another gold mark to that. Uh, speaking of marks, seventy marks to forty three. That probably uh, uh, illustrates uh, St Kilda's, uh, particularly in the first half, uh, ability to keep the ball off us, and just uh, a lot of uncontested possession. Marks inside fifty seven to five wasn't a big marking night. Twelve to four contested marks though. Um, for St Kilda, um, we were very low on our contested marks, uh, but the ball did spend a lot of time on the ground. Um, I'd just like to highlight time in front. <laughs> yes. St, Kilda, St Kilda, 118 minutes, Adelaide, three minutes. And I reckon two of those minutes of bloody James Rowe lining up for a shot after the siren when we'd already run. Someone should have just gone up to Jimmy and said, would you just bloody kick it so we can get off the ground? We've already won. Anyway, exactly. I, 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 I have no idea where he hung on to the ball. No idea what he was doing. Uh, 
102 tackles to 57 is a concern, Maka. And tackles inside yeah. 50, 26 to 6. And I think most of those six tackles inside 50 actually came in the last quarter. I've got a feeling we only had three at half time. Yeah, it wasn't many. No, it was either. I think it was three at half time. It was. Uh, they were in the 20s and we were we were three. Yeah, yeah. wasn't many. But, and uh, I mean, it got better as the game went on, but it was, well, as I say, our first quarter in particular, maybe the first one and a half quarters were the worst football I've seen this club play for a long time. Yeah. Um, what else have we got here? One percent is St Kilda's way, seventy-three to fifty-one. Um, that's really the tail of the tape in terms of the head-to-head stuff. Um, but gee whiz, Mac. Um, oops. Um, it was one of those things where we just, for a while there, we just didn't look like it. I um. We were actually we were, were really just hanging in there on, on, on the efforts of two or three people. And, uh, I mean, um, Seisman, I thought, was very good all day. No, um, no, no. No, I haven't. Let me, I haven't finished yet. I, he didn't always do everything right, but I did oh. like his effort. Oh, no. Well, okay. Well, obviously disagree. Uh, you tell me why. Oh, because he had 13 disposals and 15 bloody um, effective disposals for the night out of 30. He got the ball. He got the ball. No, he only used it half the time. Yeah, didn't like, uh, didn't like Seisman's game. Sorry. Okay, we'll, we'll t- disagree. I, at least I did like the fact that at least he was getting the ball when nobody else was. That's probably what I did like. I, but, I made uh, the I made the remark in the game day chat, Macca, that when Seisman got the ball, the Saints players were leading because uh, it was more likely to kick <laughs> it to them than us. <laughs> Yeah. I thought Smith was a bit uh, in that category yes. as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, there were, and they, look, he had mates. So and yes, he got a lot of the ball, and he did, you know, particularly in the first half, he did quite well, and he had a good third quarter as well. But uh, he just, um, he just burnt it so much, burnt it so much. I can't, I unfortunately, I can't have him in my top five best players because he just burnt the ball so, so much. You're a harsh man, Fink. Not a harsh man. Uh, no, Why I are you overlooked? Well, you've gone soft in your old age. Maybe I have. I don't know. Uh, but I, I just thought that uh, we had... we were uh, Not just him. I thought most of our players were burning the ball in the first half. So um, I, I was just pleased he was making some effort to get the bloody thing. Because um, some of the players... I looked at their stats at half-time and they were... Look, Players had two touches, three touches, four touches, and yeah, and, you, and that was that's probably where I was going by. And I, I agree with you about the efficiency; we left a lot to be desired. But he was in good company. I say Smith, uh, Laird, but most of the blokes who were getting the ball didn't do much with it anyhow, which yeah. didn't help us much. Well, we went back into that old thing of. Um uh, not enough disposals in transitions, and I'm sure that the instruction would have been it's a wet night, don't be too cute with it. But what that seemed to result in in was blokes just not running and providing options. So uh, we ended up with a situation in that first half where we were just kicking it to their half-back line. Um, 
blindly exactly. to their half-back line. So exactly. I, I don't mind us not being cute in wet weather, but I think it might have just been uh, a bit scrambled in the boys' heads because there was no effort to spread, there was no effort to switch play. We were just up and down the line, up and down the line, up and down the line, and it was just coming back with interest. And St Kilda, to their credit, when they were getting possession of half-back, they were spreading. Uh, and they were stretching out a fence, and because we were all running forward of the play, we were out of position, and they were able to get some uh, easy shots at goal as a consequence. So, you know, I think it's it's been it's been noticeable in all every game that we've um, that we've lost is that our transition work has fallen down, and it's usually associated with work rate and um, being switched on, in my opinion. Yeah, and. Um in the first half, you are right. We, it, I was getting so frustrated where we were doing that kick from uh, behind centre up mm. to about uh, the, the, not even quite the 50-metre mark and, of course, yep. straight rebounded. And after half time, I think the coach has obviously said to him, for God's sake, let's make sure we do use the handball and our links and our runs. And, uh, and after that, we, we did some very, very good bits of play. And the playing the type of game that avoids exactly what we were talking about was happening in the first half. Um, it's a, that is a game which is dead set for losers, that kicking it from, you know, between half back and centre yeah. up to your own. It's just over centre to around about the 50 metre mark or not even not quite there because it's going to come flying back at 100 mile an hour yeah. into the danger territory. So, uh, yeah, we there, there was that big noticeable change in the way we played after half-time as opposed to the way we played before half-time. And maybe the coach did say, you know, be you know, don't overdo it because it's wet, but um, we do have to play that way because that's when we play our best. Yeah. Well, when it end, what ended up happening, uh, particularly in that last quarter, is we were able to get territory and we were able to push up and, um, you know, get repeat forward 50 entries. Um, and in nights like t- uh, last night when... It's just wet and slippery and, and no one's taken a mark and the ball's hard to dispose. Um, it's all about territory. And in the end, uh, like the query after halftime was always, have we just left it, uh, given ourselves, you know, too much of a gap to to um, uh, to bridge. But uh, it was just really a matter of uh, attrition in the end and, and weight of forward 50 entries in the end that got us over the line. And, yes, we left it to the last minute, Macca, but... Um, you know, from about halfway through the last quarter, it was really a case of, gee whiz, I reckon we might just be able to sneak this. Yeah, um, I, I probably at the beginning of the last quarter, I thought uh, we'll probably just end up, you know, running a little bit short. But as as the game went on, you just started thinking in that last quarter, it could happen. It really could mm-hmm. happen. And just in, and then when we started just to dominate the ball being in our area, and they just couldn't get it out. And our boys were so fanatical at it. I was starting to believe. I did start to believe. And uh, and then yeah. when Phil Thorpe did that, that's got to be goal of the year, doesn't it? Oh, give it up. How many times you kick well, the I'm ball a, over your head, Mac? I've actually done it myself, mate. But I, Exactly. Uh, I mean, it was a great goal. And it was great for the kid to do it. And it showed good footy IQ and good awareness and all the rest of it. But goal of the year, turn it up. I just think at the stage of the game it was with your wrong foot and all the rest of it, pretty good. But okay, oh, probably good. goal Damn, of the week, maybe. I'm, I'd definitely you, goal of the week. You take goal. I'd take oh, goal okay. of the week. Yeah, I'd take goal. All right. 
Let's just not get carried uh, away. I'll, I'll, all right, I was a little bit carried away. Well, I saw um, that bloody port that that port bloke, whoever it was, kicked that reverse checky, and that that was uh, that was pretty good for goal of the week too. I reckon <laughs> that was fantastic. He's a beautiful. He is a beautiful kick that lad. But that was um, calculated. That was a reverse check side, and you know what happens with check sides once they start to descend, they actually go back the other way. And he mm. he did that perfectly. Reverse checked it so that it actually got the angle that he needed, and then it just faded in. Lovely. It was fantastic. And, and the other thing that uh, surely uh, Phil Football should get uh, the rookie of the week, or uh, what do they call it, the rising star? Yeah, surely she, he. We either go by the body of work, and he's done some body of work. Yeah, so. maybe. Uh, now, J&M in the, in the YouTube chat says, how come we don't have a super chat option? Well, the simple truth is, J&M, we're not up to 1,000 subscribers yet, and the only way you're going to get yourself a super chat option is if you tell your mates to bloody subscribe on YouTube. I think we're just a tick over 300 at the moment. Um, certainly grown substantially this year, which has been fantastic. But uh, in order to get those extra options and get a few community um, options as well on YouTube, we need to get over a thousand. So uh, uh, make sure you tell your mates and all your crow supporting uh, friends to uh, get around the crowcast on YouTube. Give us a subscribe and a like, and uh, hopefully um, at some stage uh, we can get over a thousand subscribers and we can start adding some of those things. Um, Similarly, of course, if you are watching on YouTube, get around us on Discord as well. It's uh, We're up to 183 members now, Mac. I'd like to get to 200 within the next fortnight. It's only 17. Um, and considering we started off the year with about 60, that's fantastic. So, uh, And everyone's uh, really getting involved. The game day chat is fantastic. Um, lots of good discussion going on. It's not, not too much melting and not too much you know, vitriol towards other people, which is great. Um, it's a really good place to uh, chat about the footy while you're watching it. So uh, get around that. Okay, Mac, let's have a look at some players' stats, shall we? If I can get this sorted. Okay. Where are we? One moment, please. Uh, all right. There we are. So, uh, let's just go a few, through a few. Rory Laird, I thought, had a standout game. Yes, he was wasteful at times, but his ability to get in and under and uh, continue to get the agate um, was pretty good. 33 touches, 20 kicks, 13 handballs, 1 mark, 8 tackles, 10 clearances, um, uh, what's it, 446 metres gained. Um, I thought... Rory's game was pretty good. What do you think? Yeah, well, I, he was actually very heavily tagged in the first uh, half of the game. Yeah, uh, very heavily oh, tagged. Pretty much all and the I, game, I, they had Dunson on him, didn't they? They did. Um, and uh, I think he restricted him to Rory to about perhaps 12 or 13 possessions in the first half. But then uh, Rory just, just, just brushed him right off in the second half and uh, just played a fantastic second half. And, uh, yeah, just went to yeah, work, he, I felt, Rory. Just went to work. I just cannot believe a play his shape and size plays as well as he does. He's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, probably because he's got the, probably the lowest uh, balance of gravity that you've got on a player, I reckon. 
Probably. Um, <laughs> Somebody said Leonard looks like a fridge. <laughs> well, he's called the desk, isn't that, he? Yeah, yeah, he's called the desk at the club. <laughs> It's called called the desk, mate. That's uh, that's his name. Um, yeah, that's factual. Players call him the desk. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I thought he was really good. You know, uh, eighteen contested possessions, fourteen uncontested possessions, six score involvements, which we like to see. Um, he was obviously integral. Five inside fifties, so. Uh, a good effort by Laddie. Now, Benny Keyes, obviously 31 touches, 21 kicks, 10 handballs, 10 tackles, if you don't mind, 5 clearances, 6 13 metres gained, uh, which is excellent uh, by Ben. Um, also had 5 inside 50s, uh, 5 score involvements, 4 intercepts, uh, 9 contested possessions, 15 uncontested possessions. Um, a pretty solid game from Ben once again. Oh, he's been an outstanding get, hasn't he? I can't remember us getting a player uh, of somebody else's scrap heap like uh, like that and, to, and them being probably amongst our best three players. So um, he's been outstanding, and yeah. he was again. And he's, and he's very consistent. He does it week after week. Yeah. Now, I just finished saying, uh, Macca, that uh, our chat is a uh, nice place to be and at the moment we've got a couple of people going at each other if you wouldn't mind just uh, taking it offline um, one of the things about the Crowcast chat is that we're respectful of everybody and um, I'd like to see that continue during the show chat so if you've got a disagreement there's a private message uh, facility at Discord go your hardest um, but uh, not on a live chat thanks we're uh, it's not big footy here Macca it's not big footy I- uh, a very good point. I was looking at the chat, and really, really, it's, it's only about opinions. And look, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, and yep. uh, it's not really worth having a fight about it. Yep, no, so, that's right. Um, we have opinions too, and uh, half the time I'm bloody wrong. Uh, most people think I'm wrong about Seasman tonight, and I'm happy to wear that. Um, and I'll be wrong again, Mac. But uh, anyway, let's not dwell on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, just... Uh, Play the ball, not the man in the chat. Thanks, everyone. Uh, all right, speaking of C's, let's have a quick look. Um, uh, 20 kicks, 11 handballs, 4 marks, 6 tackles, 4 clearances, 717 metres gained. Just continues to knock up gaining metres uh, for a smack. Uh, he had 7 inside 50s, uh, 6 score involvements, 7 intercepts, 9 contested possessions, 22 uncontested possessions. On paper... Statistically, a very good game, Macca. I'll grant you that. I'll stick with it. I thought I was happy with it. And look, and <laughs> the fact that it, the fact that he didn't keep hitting the targets and uh, all the time in the first quarter was probably that uh, was pretty typical of everybody in the team at that stage. So I think it's a little bit harsh just to to single him out. Um, and I do like the fact that he just kept going and kept going, and, and he eventually did improve. So. Um, I, I had him up in my top three players. I know yeah. he's not in your top five, but he's in my top three, and we both have our opinion on that one. Yeah, no, that's fine. I would probably have uh, Harry Schoenberg in my top five ahead of Seed. Um, didn't get as much of the ball. Uh, Ten kicks, eight handballs, three marks, two tackles, four clearances, 238 metres gained. Um, but I just felt like he was integral to our... Um, our charge in the second half, Mac. 
And uh, uh, Seed was, Seed was actually quite quiet in the last quarter. I think he only had about three or four touches in the last quarter. Uh, Harry it was Schoenberg his worst went quarter. To, yeah, Harry Schoenberg went to work. Um, and uh, I just love what he brings. And, yes, I'm a bit of a fanboy, so I'll probably, I'll probably cop and that. Have you noticed, though, there's a bit of a trend, though, with Harry. Uh, he must have very good stamina because I reckon if you... Uh, and, I, and I don't know this is a fact, but it just seems to me, thinking about it, that statistically he always seems to be very good in the uh, last quarter. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, interesting because uh, um, he probably doesn't have the tank on the sur- surface, but uh, when he gets involved, I, I wonder somehow, sometimes whether he is left languishing a little bit um, at half forward. Um, but, gee, when he gets involved, he gets involved all right. Um Sloney was another one who absolutely... I, You know, I'm not even lying here, Macca. I checked the team sheets halfway through the first quarter to see if Rory was actually laid out um, because I hadn't seen him. He uh, oh. was nowhere. And then that last quarter that he played uh, was a real captain's last quarter. Um, he obviously sensed that we were in with a shot. And, uh, boy, oh, boy, if ever there's an example of a bloke putting us on their shoulders, it was Sloney in the last quarter along with Lady. They're fine about Rory. Uh, he was the first half, so he is so poor. That's his macker who is an absolute and loves Rory to death. Yeah. He said to me in the second quarter, oh, there's Rory, he's playing. Yeah. And she wasn't being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. That's how I felt uh, about it, uh, to be honest with you. Yeah, because I must have been, Mitch, he said, I thought, God, I haven't noticed him either. Um... So, uh, he, look, and to his credit, he uh, his first half, as bad as it was, I thought he had an excellent second half, and he also showed uh, a lot of courage on occasions as well, which set a very good example for the young lads and uh, helped them uh, have belief in us as well. So, uh, well done to Rory. Uh, uh, shit out first half, uh, but lifted your game and showed, did what a captain should do. Yeah, and he had a few mates. Uh, Jimmy Rose, another one who I thought just stunk it up. In the first half, wasn't anywhere. Horrible, um, horrible. He was he was mm-hmm. integral in the second half. He ended up with uh, eighteen dis, uh, disposals, um, but it's his uh, score involvements, nine score involvements for the game. Uh, he's very creative with ball in hand, and um, he seems uh, this is going to be an interesting one for the Crows selection committee when we've got a full hand on deck because I feel like Jimmy Rowe actually plays his best work, does his best work up the ground um, and since Lockie Murphy has been out of the side, we've seen Rowe get up the ground a little bit with good effect, he's very good in traffic and he's far more creative um, with ball in hand than Lockie Murphy and uh, the problem is that Jimmy Rowe's in there as a goal sneak <laughs> so well, um, I, I... what do you do about that? I 100% agree with everything you said because um, once in that, uh, like he was terrible, he was, his first half was shocking. In the second half, he was, sometimes he was up as far, uh, as far as half back on the, on the wing. And yeah. as you say, and he uses the ball so well when he's got it. He does. And uh, uh, I, I really gave him a good big tick for his second half. But I reckon, as you quite correctly said, he's much more dangerous up around uh, the ground. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be playing on the forward pocket. I'd be playing on a half forward flank. And um, because he does play that very well, that, that gets him into the play around the midfield or further. Uh, yeah, and he had a very good second half after a horrible first half. 
Yeah, he, um, he, 100%. And uh, it sort of leaves that forward pocket spot open, uh, maybe for uh, for Tariq if he ever gets up to scratch or Lockie when he comes back. But uh, I, like, I, I like Jimmy Rowe playing high better than Lockie Murphy because Lockie Murphy plays it like a big man and tries to take marks. Whereas Rowe puts himself at the feet of packs and when he's got ball in hand, he doesn't panic. He's quite good through traffic and he's always looking to put someone to advantage. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, no, he's, he's a good thinker once he's got the ball yeah. in his hands. And uh, SC in the chat mentions Isaiah Dudley, who's part of our NGA program. I don't know I whether that, you saw Mark. that, Mark. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> that was a mark. That was fantastic. Yeah, you know, I said to the to Mrs. Mack, I, I just can't believe how these Indigenous lads can go straight up. They just they can, they can jump so high. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, and just quietly, there was another lad playing in that game who's going to be in the draft pool this year. Morgan Ferris, kick seven four, Mac. And uh, if ever you wanted a uh, a mid sized third tall option, he's your man right there. I know. I reckon uh, Peter and I might have a chat with about him on Tuesday night. Um, but, yeah, a very, very good. Very, very good player and quite unique in the in the draft pools. So uh, uh, a couple of ones out of that reserve's going to watch. <laughs> Likely to go about what level, Fane? Well, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I'd say he's, uh, he's in the second round. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it looks looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. Anyway, uh, Brody Smith had a bit of an almost night. I thought had uh, eighteen touches, sixteen and two, uh, four marks, uh, two clearances, gained six hundred and twenty meters, um, three inside fifties, um, four score involvements, five intercepts. So. Not a bad night from Brody, but he was certainly one that um, that uh, burnt it a bit. And the trouble with Brody and Seisman, when they burn it, they really burn it. It's like it's like me teeing up at uh, at the Pat Macker. I can either belt it two hundred and eighty meters down the middle, or I can scrub it along the ground into the grass, into the into the rough. Um, there's no oh. middle ground. I'm very good at that second option. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a bit the same. Uh, I rather fancy myself with the driver, and uh, I, I fancy myself above my ability. We have a game of golf one day, Mac. And occasionally I get one in the centre feet, and it goes a long way. And I think, geez, yeah. I'm fucking good. It's and then, good, yeah. then, yeah, and then. It's about nine times <laughs> it topples off the tee or goes slicing away somewhere else. Yeah, it's, it can be a frustrating game at times. It's all about equipment, mate. I was having a dirty day playing with Cam one day uh, not long ago, and he just bought himself one of those new bloody ping drivers that looked like something out of the space shuttle. And uh, I wasn't hitting the ball off the tee at all well. And I said, give me that bloody driver and let me have a hit. And <laughs> straight down the guts. And I was like, yeah, it's technology, mate. It's all it is. The, the kids of today, they couldn't have played with the old Persimmon Woods that we used to play with, could they, mate? I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so. I, I can't. <laughs> no, that's right. Anyway, let's get back to it. 
Um, what do you think about O'Brien's game? I uh, felt he tried hard. Um, had 16 possessions, which is pretty good. 12 and 4. Um, 30 hitouts. Uh, he got beaten uh, statistically anyway in, in the ruck. Um, but I thought, felt like he added some value at ground level. Six inside 50s, if you don't mind, from the big fella. Four score involvements, five intercepts, um, seven contested possessions. So, And uh, his ability to back up his work is starting to return. Uh, it was always a strength of his, his second and third efforts in those stoppage situations. And I feel like uh, he's just starting to get back to that a little bit. I rated his game very highly around the ground. I thought mm. that he's... Uh... Efforts to either mark the ball, spoil the ball, scramble for it at the ground level, yeah, yeah. etc. No, bit, I gave him a great big tick, and if it, we were going to judge him just on that, he'd be high up in our best players. But um, as, in terms of Ruck, um, the interesting thing is that uh, he struggled mostly against Hunter, uh, who he is, uh, is you know, <laughs> his understudy. Was, uh, he's understudy for many, many years here. Uh, and he struggles against those guys with big, long, tall arms because he's not, mm. he's not a massive jumper off the ground. And uh, uh, they're the type that give him trouble every time. And, uh, yeah, Hunter, Hunter would have got uh, every time... Uh, when he was in opposed to O'Brien, he would have got as many taps as yeah. O'Brien did or negated his as well. Yeah. And uh, uh, so not so much in his ruck work... Uh, wasn't horrible, but he. Yeah. I was very, very pleased with his groundwork. Yeah, I, I, f- I feel like his um, his groundwork is starting to improve again. Uh, it, it, interesting that he came out a couple of weeks ago and said that he'd been carrying something uh, for the first part of the season, which was fairly evident, really. Um, but uh, he's just starting to get his hands on a few more marks and he's just starting to, to stay in the contest a bit longer like we know he can. And uh, when he does do that, it's a big bonus for us around, around stoppage. Um, the other bloke, uh, well, there's a couple of blokes left, but uh, one bloke that I don't think gets enough credit is Geordie Butts. Um, he, I think, I think uh, Nicky said last week about um, Geordie not getting a rising star. I actually think he misses out by one day in terms of the um, the qualification, qualification. age. Yeah. Yep. But my goodness me, if there's anyone who deserved a um, uh, a rising star nom, uh, it's Geordie for his body of work in the first half of, half of this season. And again, I thought tonight, uh, last night, on uh, largely on King, oh, I thought he did everything right. Well, it's interesting. Uh, Peter used to be, uh, he's with you on Tuesday night. He used to be a real fan of his long before anybody else was and kept telling us how good he was going to be. Yep. And uh, Well, both Pete uh, and Nicky, actually, uh, loved his work. Yes, Nicky too. So, uh, hi, Nicky. Uh, you were very good at getting that right. 1990 um, Crow says that Butts continues to grow every week, which sounds like mine. <laughs> yeah, well, um, look, he, the big question I was going to ask with Fiend was, Talia's available to play. Let's say yeah. he's available to play. Yeah. Who have you got at full back? Have you got him or Butts? Well, it's an interesting one, Macca, because um, I think at at the uh, at this stage, Geordie is more dynamic um, in the back half. Uh, you know, Talia will always give you a hundred percent 
and has a, an amazing track record at keeping his opponent quiet. Uh, but Geordie can also get involved in transition. Um, as Vardy says, he always has a crack. <laughs> yeah, Never like seems that. to fall into a hole. Uh, let's get them all out of the way now. Come on, let's just get them all out of the way now. There's all these people that just showing a bit of cheek in chat at the moment. Maka, there's another one. Um, but yeah, look, in all seriousness, um, I think... Um, I think I'd probably stay with Geordie, to be honest with you. I think I would, uh, because, I mean, Talia is obviously coming towards the end of his career, and um, I'd have him probably playing, uh, if there is another tool in the other, other team in the pocket, just let him stand them. Because um, I think Butts is our full-back of the future, so uh, that's why I wouldn't take him away from that position. And, uh, you know, the way the tally is going, he's going to be very lucky to play at all this year because he's had a little bit of a setback, uh, he, apparently, with his injury. I don't think he'll... I don't think he'll play this year. No. So, um, from from my point of view, I would say, well, uh, Butts, you've got the position. Uh, Talia, we've, we've got, you've been very good for us. We've got to, we'll try and put you in the position somewhere to play. Um, yeah. uh, and, you know, he'd play, do a good role with standing, resting, rucking, or other tall forwards. Um, somebody says, I think Talia will be traded. Look, who knows? It's, uh, I don't know. I don't football. know whether... I don't know whether... I mean, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because Daniel Talia has been the epitome of team player. Um, he's a Victorian that has stuck fat with the Crows through his entire career. Um, you know, he's not quite comparatively old, but his body has seemed to be a weakness over the last couple of seasons. Um, I don't think he's worth much on the trade table. I really don't. And uh, it'd be nice if somehow we could we could make Daniel a one man uh, one club player um, because I think for the little that we'd get with him on trade table, it's it's not worth discarding him. How, having said that, I think Daniel and Daniel being the team man that he is, I think he'd accept it. I think Daniel would have to accept the fact that when matchups call for one tall, like they have done at times this year. I think he's the one that makes way rather than Geordie. Yeah, I think so, because um, Butts uh, has held the position down well all year and uh, I think we have to stay committed to him, not say uh, when Tony comes back, well, you go somewhere else now. You don't yeah. do that. Are you, no. The guy is, is making a real career for himself as a fullback and uh, we just leave him there. That's my opinion. Which comes to the other point is it's not, not just Talia. Uh Lynch, the man who was fit enough to be our sub, but hasn't can't can't play for about ninety three weeks. Um, do, do we give him another contract thing? Uh, no, but we will because he is seen as part of the senior leadership group, um, and is talked about in bloody revered terms around the corridors of the Crows. He will not. <laughs> he will not get traded. Um, the issue is. He's he's no longer, in my opinion, he's no longer part of our our best twenty-two, Tommy. Uh, the he's game not. has the game has changed in terms of um, of his his role through through the Halcyon days when he was that link man. Uh, it's not quite the same. I can't see a spot for Tommy, and I feel like whenever Tom's in the side, our transition slows right down. Well, it does. That's factual. There's no doubt about it. And when Tom, you know. So- 
And Tom's not bad. He leads up and he gets the ball and he might get it between wing and half back. And uh, the hesitation he takes is just too long, too long. Yeah. Whereas uh, that's not the style of footy we're playing at the moment. And there's another, you know, there's another couple of players in that position. And I think the club's going to be in a very awkward position because the players that we're talking about have been very long, loyal warriors for the club. They have. But, you know, but time has passed. Uh, there's a new breed coming on. The, uh, the role of footy club is to try and win a flag and it's not necessary to be nice to everybody. So, unfortunately, I think the nastiest part of football is the end of a player's career. Especially that under part. these circumstances, Macker, it's not as if it's not as if he's just falling out of favour or whatever, or these players are falling out of favour. They're at, they're at the back end of their careers at a time when the Adelaide Crows are going through a rebuild and needing to get games into blokes. And you know we've already seen a few occasions where a senior player has probably been fortunate to get selected ahead of a younger lad. Um, but as I mentioned, we've got blokes like Lucky, Lucky Glant in the twos. We've got Luke Pedler coming through in the twos. We've got Cook coming through in the twos. We've got um, you know one or two others as well, and um, they're just going to get squeezed out. These older fellas. I, I felt like Rory Sloan's post-match interview uh, was it post-match or was it today? I don't know. It was post-match. Was post-match, ex- yeah. was excellent because. I feel like Rory has really taken on that role of bringing the next generation through. I think he knows uh, in his heart that he's never going to play in an AFL Premiership. Um, And I think uh, Tex would be the same, that he knows he's not going to play in an AFL Premiership. Um, But they are working hard to to bring these blokes through. And there's only so many you can have on the ground, and I think Tom Lynch actually keeps a young bloke out to the detriment of our future, and I don't think it'll happen. And and does the endless McKay keep playing? Well, Mackie, you can't knock him, can you? I mean, no, I'm not knocking the guy. I'm just the last, saying the endless. Two, two of the last two of the last three weeks, he's been he's played really well. He still doesn't get huge numbers, um, but you know, um, at, there's going to be a stage where there's just not room for him because we've got 933 running half-back flankers. Uh, we've got a few wingers. Um, that's D-Max spot. So when blokes like Miller come back on the park, um, I think you'll find that eventually D-Max going to have to give way. But I'll never, I'll never knock David McKay for his effort or his uh, willingness to put his body on the line. And uh, when he kicked that goal... I think I put in the game day chat, we win, and we were still a couple down. But uh, he doesn't often kick goals, but he seems to kick goals when we win. So, uh, yeah, look, well, I'd rather he wasn't in the team, Macca. I'd rather he wasn't in the team. But I cannot argue the fact that he is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And because I noticed that the, who's left to sign for the club. And uh, apart from uh, Matt Crouch... Most of the ones that are unsigned are these elderly type players who are injured at the moment, hmm. and do they get an extension or don't they get an extension type thing? So, I think the club's got the same quandary as we're thinking about now. Oh, look, it's going to be a very interesting off season once again. There's a couple I think. Jake Kelly is another one who I think is fast becoming a liability down back. Yes, he does play a very good lockdown defensive role, um, but we've got 
lads coming through. You know, with Worrell played on the weekend. That's basically the the spot that Worrell's going to fill in that back line. Um, Jake is very limited in many ways with his football, and I didn't think he played particularly well again on Saturday night. Um, you know, we can't keep persisting with these guys. He, look, I, I think he's had a very solid year, Kelly, but the one knock on him is the fact that once he's got the ball, it doesn't move very quickly from there. No, a he, couple he, of times uh, he's run through and, and been a little bit more decisive this year, but by and large, he's a very limited player, and that's fine. He's forging a career in that space, and that's all well and good. Um, I guess what I'm saying is I think... I think these senior blokes have to realise, and I'm sure that they do, they had their opportunity. You know, 2016 to 2018 was their opportunity. Uh, That's when that squad was at its peak um, and they had one crack at it and failed. Um, They certainly failed a few other times as a squad too over the course of the previous few years. And uh, unfortunately, some of them, a lot of them are going to walk away without a flag to their names and that's, that's a shame. But they have to pass it over, and that's why I was so impressed with what Rory Sloan said and his attitude uh, in that interview, because it really felt to me uh, that it was the, the words of a guy who has taken on that responsibility of bringing the next lot through. No doubt about that. Uh, I agree with uh, PJ. He actually says that uh, Kelly's reliable. Wyrell would be the one foot to take his spot, but he's not quite ready yet. And uh, I think that's true. I think... Uh, It'll be interesting, though, uh, PJ, um, whether Worrell develops over the next uh, six, eight months that he can take over that spot. Um, he actually got shown up in this particular game, and but that's his first game. And I think you've got to see him another one, another one or two times before we can really make that judgment. Yeah. Um, now, don't forget, uh, while we're prattling on here, we've got 3, 6, 9, 12, 15 in the live audience. So now's the time. If you want to have something to say... Um, J-Mac, uh, we'd love to hear from you if you've got your uh, if you've got your audio sorted out there. But anyone else as well, if you want to come on and have a say, feel free. Now's the time. We'll probably keep going for another 10 or 15 minutes or so, Macca. Um, look, at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, we've hit the buy now. And uh, oh, just one or two more players. I, even though Ned McHenry's numbers weren't great, his attack on the ball was second to none and... I've really grown to like Ned after being very doubtful about him early. Um, But someone is going to have to get him to take the umpire's director out for lunch because the umpires cannot stand him. Well, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I was going to raise that very point that, uh, like you, I've actually grown to really, really like Ned because... um, uh, now that he concentrates on either getting the ball or getting the player that's got the ball, uh, rather than just being a little turd, um, you know he, he is a very likable player because you know he he's giving a hundred percent. But the umpires don't seem to like him. He gets some him. very very dodgy. Well, some very dodgy frees against him. I mean, really dodgy. Yep, hate his guts. Um, Vardy Magic says that Ned needs to impact the scoreboard more. I probably don't disagree, but we've been using him fairly high, Vardy, um, and maybe there's an opportunity for him and Jimmy Rowe to kind of rub a band between that small forward and that high half forward role. Um, but um, I think... Uh, good uh, point, Fiend. 
Because he, he has been, he's been coming up as far, up as far as half back all the time. So, uh, you don't kick too many goals when you're, when you're going up around that high. He's, he's been really working more between, not the pocket so much. He's been working between half forward and half back. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Very much, and uh, you know everyone's saying Ned's chirpy on the ground. He is chirpy, but that doesn't mean that the that the rules change. You know what I mean? And I think it, it's an indictment on the umpires that they are impacted by someone mouthing um, to the extent that they don't apply the rules of the game. And uh, uh, J Mac put it really well when he says Ned gets all the soft frees paid against him. He certainly does. He's only got a sniff on a bloke, and uh, he gets paid a free against him, and he doesn't get much from the umpires going the other way. So. Anyway, I do like him. Now, Darcy Fogarty is another one who I just feel is starting to uh, feel like maybe he's a part of it and starting to become a little bit more involved. I know his numbers aren't big, um, but I just feel like his uh, energy levels are up and it indicates to me that maybe he's... he's, uh, been given a word to say you're part of the future that we've obviously just re-signed him uh, during the yep. week which was fantastic I don't know Mac what do you reckon yeah I think you're right I think that uh, he's probably in the past has been you know am I in the side am I not in the side what's my role because there was too many tools down there um, the best thing we ever did was make sure we didn't have either Himmelberg or Frampton down there all of a sudden we created a very appropriate forward line and because uh You've got probably three different types of players. You've got uh, Phil Thorpe, who's tall, thin, uh, can take a good mark and also go on the ground. You've got um, Fogarty, who's just brute force but can take a mark and, and also kick a long goal. And you've got Tex, who's got all the, he's got all the cunning in the world, the old Tex has. And uh, yeah. uh, the mixture we've got down there at the moment is a very good mixture. And uh, yeah. Fogarty is part of it. And, uh, like... It, that uh, shot that Thorpe did, Fogarty's body made sure that the ball did go through. So, yeah. I mean, just even little things like that. And I think, oh, you are right. I think that he's been told you are a part of this team and uh, he's been resigned for two years and they just say, now you just get on with it and make yourself the best player you possibly can. Yep. Um, now, uh, a couple of things. Um, no, I didn't see Fogarty's... Um uh, interview on 5AA, I try not to listen to 5AA. Uh, Vardy Magic, yes, it was, I believe, Peter Vardy, Peter Vardy, that presented Josh Worrell with uh, his Guernsey. It was. Uh, great to see Peter Vardy getting involved. Haven't seen him around the place for ages, and Vardy Magic must have had an aneurysm when he saw that. Fantastic stuff. Um, J&M keeps wanting to talk about Patrick Parnell. Um, J&M, listen in on Tuesday night and we'll talk about Patrick Parnell. Um, uh, we don't really, uh, this isn't really the, the show for that, but we will talk about him on Tuesday night. And joining us right now in the chat is NT Rabbit. How are you going, mate? Albert, fellas, how is your Sunday? Are you getting going? All the better for you. Good on you, NT. Let's hear from you, mate. So I've... Just a brief comment on yours and my favourite player, Bradley Crouch. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. That was certainly the game for it. I just wanted to say we we saw the long and the short of Brad Crouch today. Sorry, yesterday. Uh, 
the last time we saw him snapping that goal to put them six goals up before he disappeared as he jumped back on the chairlift to take him back up the top of the ski slope. <laughs> and then we saw him right at the end as he sort of, he was within the range of being able to smother that kick from Thilthorpe and he just sort of stood there and waved his hand pointlessly in the air with all the effort we know and love from him. And thanks again, Bradley. <laughs> I thought there were 34 of the most ineffective touches uh, ever seen on, on, a, on an oval, uh, Rabbit. And uh, it's nothing much different to what he used to serve up for us week after week. I hear that. Yeah, 100%. All right, mate. Uh, thank you very much. I was, uh, was going to have a brief moment with uh, Bradley, but I'm glad, glad you stepped up and uh, I hope Mutiny is listening. <laughs> Always happy to check if, if Mutiny is uh, listening, then he's just spat his beer out and he's probably just thrown the device that he's listening on out the window. <laughs> Thanks, mate. No. Uh, we've also got uh, 1990 here as well, so we'll bring 1990 in as well. And, J-Mac, I hope you've got your stuff sorted because I'd love to hear from you as well. But 1990, how are you going, mate? Yeah, not too bad, Phoenix. How are you going, Macro? Pretty good. Uh, good to hear from you, mate. You're becoming a regular. Let's hear from you. Yeah, um, watched the game last night. I haven't listened into the first hour or so of the show. I was a bit busy, but um, yeah, when, when it was halfway through the second quarter, we nearly decided to go watch a movie and yeah. not really going to watch the <laughs> game. But um, um, lucky I stuck around and watched it to the end because it was uh, quite a good finish uh, by the team. Showed a lot of heart to play the way they did towards the end. And, um, you know, it probably hasn't helped our draft picks too much, but it's probably good for the team in the long haul. Uh, you think, Naughty Naughty, that uh, as you mentioned about the draft picks, that a win like this will probably lead to further wins like this? It's it's t- tough to say. It's it's probably not just going to happen overnight. Like It's going to be over a couple of seasons of performances like this where the players become accustomed to winning. Like You, you look at the past where teams we're going through rebuilds and they just forget how to win. Um, I think wins like that sort of help the team to know how to win when it actually becomes their turn to slowly rise rise up the ladder. So, yes, I do think it will help, but as to how much, I'm not entirely sure how much because it'll be dependent on a number of factors, you know, who's coaching, what squad do we have um, available to us and um, experience. So number of factors, but I guess overall, yes. Just on, on coaching, I have to say I think we're pretty lucky at the moment because, to me, it appears that uh, this group of coaches, uh, when we play the way they want us to play, are really maximising uh, the effort and ability that we've got on the ground. You'd have to say yes because often the um, criticism of teams when they um, aren't gelling or you've got a good squad together but for whatever reason they can't, seem to get up for games it's it's the coaches that get um accused of being at fault but obviously our team's quite young and they're playing to their maximum um intensity most weeks um which is why they've been competitive so i guess a lot of credit credit does need to go to the coaches look i was very interested to hear the comments of um matthew nix and rory sloan with regards to uh nixie's little chat on the ground after the game and uh, the commentary 
team asked Rory what that was all about and um, it was interesting that they were actually talking about structure and what I'm hearing a lot from players at the moment is about structure and how they let themselves down against Collingwood because they didn't execute when they needed to Um, and one of the reasons they felt like they got over the line this week was because they were able to execute the game plan when it was required and um, it seems to me that um, this isn't just about get the ball and kick the ball there's very much a game plan that's developing with Adelaide um, and a lot of it is based around ground ball gets but it's also very much about how we shape up and I really like that because I feel that that's been an area where our coaching panels in the past have lacked they've lacked that real tactical edge um, and it's been quite simplistic whereas now I feel like we've got a group of coaches that are willing to um, talk structure with a young group and bring them along on a particular style of gameplay but also for the first time I believe we're able to change during the match and they talked about um, players versus Collingwood they didn't read a board so there must have been a board held up at some point um, against Collingwood and they were talking about the message not being able to come out to enough players and they weren't able to execute Um, but when um, when it got to the same point against um, uh, St Kilda uh, last night, uh, they were able to execute. And Macker, if you can't hear me, plug your bloody headphones in because everyone else can hear me. I definitely think there is a game plan that um, Nix has envisioned right from the very first time he, he came to the club. Um, you only have to think back to the those images where they had Rory Atkins um, or whoever it was. I think it was Rory and some other player who was um, trying to use the uh, the cups on the ground to show yep. that they were supposed to be positioned. Yeah. Um, um, and you'll notice that the players that weren't willing to run to those positions that he wants to, um, those players to, to run to in order to have his game plan in, um, functioning and actually working and no longer at the club. You've got Rory Atkins, Brad Crouch, um, those two were often criticised at not wanting to do the team things and they very quickly got shown the door. Yeah. So I think there definitely is a game plan um, that Nix has chosen as what he wants the team to play. Uh, Obviously, with the young group, it's pretty hard to win consistently, no matter how good your game plan is. But um, over time, I think we've got the right game plan. It's just a matter of getting the right talent and the right experience in to play it. So and I, I think there's every reason to be confident. It's just because you don't have performances like we've seen against Geelong and Melbourne if it's not a good game plan. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think it, I think we're on the right path in terms of that, that yeah. aspect in coaching. It's just you and me at the moment, mate, because Mac has ducked out because his hearing aid fell out, I think. Um, but uh, sorry, Macca. With Brad Crouch, I was just going to say, um, it's lucky he, he's gone to a, a better club to try and chase success, huh? Well, that was, a, that was a word. That's all we keep hearing from Brad Crouch. I wanted to go somewhere where I could uh, I could uh, grab a flag. Well, you went to the wrong club, mate, because St Kilda are I'd never going to win a flag. definitely went to the wrong club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, look, I, look, I don't like to bag people publicly too much, but... Um, 
I think what NT Rabbit said before and what we've said in the past is uh, fairly true of Brad and he will have big possession games and he will have games that uh, he's he does quite well in. Um, those conditions were made to measure for Brad Crouch getting a lot of the ball because it, it wasn't travelling very fast. Wait until he has to run up and back a few times. I think he's actually been far and away their best player this season. After a slow start, he's been pretty good. After a slow start, yeah. I yeah. think well, I think that probably says more about St Kilda than it does Brad Crouch. Yeah. Back yeah. again. Yeah, did you hearing aid fall out, mate, did it? Well, yeah, well, either my leg fell off or something, but I lost I lost some sound. <laughs> did you did you go check the letterbox for him or something? Well that's probably gone too. <laughs> uh well no, good, we, very good. We we were just talking about coaching Macker and the game plan, so I haven't missed too much, I suppose. It was the first intelligent conversation good. we had all night, to be honest. <laughs> I know. Ninety nine is very good. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't go that far. All right, mate. Well, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, if anyone else wants to join us, um, you've got about five minutes before we finish up. There's a few people there in chat. Um, Macca, just to tidy up, um, it's been probably as good as a first half of the season as you could have hoped for, I reckon. Yeah, I, I, what do we won? We won five. Um, played, what's it, 13? 13, 13 rounds, yeah. 13. So nine to go. We could possibly... I thought at the beginning of the year, if we won eight, we would have done very, very well. And I guess that's that's not impossible. So I probably think we're probably living up to our expectations, I think, and uh, and, to, and to our ability and to the stage where the team's at. Yeah. Look, I think the best thing is really... The only game that I felt like we just didn't turn up at all was the GWS game, where I felt we were yes. never, never in it. But... By and large, most of the games that we've played this year, we have been around the mark and we have been in at various stages. Um, you know, we've managed to uh, bring in new players. We've managed to, uh, you know, uh, see some sort of a, um, a game plan develop. We've certainly seen a team ethos develop um, that has been very much player-driven driven, uh, in terms of effort and not giving up and accountability and all the rest of it. Um, but we've also seen some chinks in the armour, the slow starts, um, the inability to execute game plans sometimes under pressure. But that's what you get from a from a young group. And I feel like it's been a pretty productive first half of the season. Um, just quickly, uh, SANFL chat, Peter and I will be talking about the SANFL on Tuesday night. So if you do, do want to uh, have a chat about the SANFL, uh, they did have a good win today. Um, tune in on Tuesday night for Tuesday Night Live and we'll be all across the SNFL. Um, yeah, so that, that's uh, that's how the that's how I see it, Macca, the first half of the season. Yep. Um, you know, perhaps uh, for a topic next week um, and uh, inviting people out there in the chat, uh, we could talk about uh, individuals, uh, their performances so far and coaches so far and... Uh, thoughts about the future and what, what other things should be done, players coming up, etc. So, I mean, there's a lot of things we could talk about next week, and I don't know what you've got in mind, Fiend. No, it'll be around that. It'll be, it'll be kind of, a, I guess, a bit of a, a deep dive into the squad um, and where we think uh, players are at and uh, whether they've got a future, whether they're part of our next premiership push. So uh, it'll, it'll be around that. Um, just and one... Sorry, go on. 
As I say, there's some pretty good brains out there. It'd be good to hear what they think about it too. Yeah, it's um, don't give them too much credit, mate. <laughs> they'll want to take over the sh- they'll want to take over the show soon if you're not careful. <laughs> Many would argue that that wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, look, all right, let's uh, finish it up there. Um, we are at the buy, so uh, we will have Tuesday night live. We will have the weekend wrap next weekend as well. Uh, doing what Mac had just described so get around us if you are listening to us on YouTube don't forget to tell your mates get around the Crowcast and let's get those subscriptions up so J&M can have super chat and uh, you know all that sort of stuff Uh, if you want to support us you can get around us on Patreon Uh, there's instructions on our Discord about how to get around Patreon or PayPal just go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast and follow your nose there um, don't forget the suggestion box on the um, Crowcast Discord channel as well if you've got something that you want to hear about. Um, I reckon we might be... Uh, I'm thinking about the Carlton game, Macca, for a bit of a away game booze up. Uh, well, not booze up, a quiet drink. Uh, pub day, Crowcast pub day. <laughs> so I think that's around round 15. Let me just have a quick look. Uh... Let me just have a look. Fixtures here. When are we playing Carlton? Yeah, so that's round 15. Oh, but it is on a Sunday. No, that's no good. You'll have to... The next Saturday Saturday away game, um, we'll we'll hook up a, a, a bit of an afternoon at the pub. Uh, have a few beers and, and people get to know each other. Um, I don't know what location yet, J&M, maybe the Arkabar Sports Bar or um, uh, the, uh, depending on uh, what people are, where people live, we might go to the uh, the Ed down at Mitcham, that's always a good spot. Anyway, we'll talk about that some more later on. In the meantime, thanks everyone for joining us uh, tonight. It's been an excellent chat as usual. Um, don't forget to uh, take care for the rest of the long weekend and uh, Maka, thanks very much. We'll see you later. Oh, pleasure. Okay. Night all. Night, guys. <laughs>